Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of I Told My Stuffed Animals About Us. I'm your host, Alicia. And I'm Ashley. And today, well, we just spent a week together. Not a full <laughs> week, but... Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like three days? And we talked a lot. We did more be talking than, all the time. More than the average week. Yeah. More than the average day, even. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we were thinking about what we wanted to talk about this week, and I was like, we're not going to have anything to say on the podcast, and then we kept saying things to each other, even though we knew that we weren't going to have anything to say on the podcast. We but, really just um, should, like, like, clip up lapel mics all the time when we're hanging out. I was saying we should do a carpool karaoke, so that way when we're just driving around LA, it was kind of meta at one point, like, we were listening to the podcast while talking about us on the podcast, and I was like, I don't even know... Like, what I should be listening to anymore. You have a really great brain and that you can, like, double track, like, listening to something and talking. And I just... I mean, we can hook you up with some mental illness if you want. Yeah. If you could, like, unlock a good mental illness for me, which one would you recommend if you had to diagnose me? Diagnose you or, like, one that I think you should you should have and it would, like, make things better? Like, a, like as one diagnoses medication like, or prescribe, I guess, is the word prescribe. I'm looking for. Like, if you could gift me with a... Me- um, a mental well, illness. If you want the like two track mind, I'd give you ADHD. Right. Um, but um, um, I don't know why. I think OCD could be fun for you. Okay, okay this is obviously mm. a joke. Obviously, mental illness right. isn't fun. This is all a I bit, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. We were talking like I was talking to Anthony, and he was saying that he. Like completes tasks in a logical order and I do not like when I get ready in the morning yeah I get up I shower I then make my bed I then get dressed and then I put on my makeup like it like doesn't make any sense so, and so what I do to optimize time and this mm-hmm. is like if in a perfect world this is not the order I would do it in but just like if I want to optimize how much time I'm asleep and how much phone time in bed I get and then like can still get ready yeah. what I do is I'll wash my face well after like pee and mm-hmm. contacts and whatever i wash my face first and then because i do soap brows and i have to like wait for mm-hmm. that to like set a bit in order for like the optimal right penciling in experience so i wash my face first and then i put the soap in brush my teeth and then uh go get dressed make my bed do all the other things and then do my skincare and then fill in my eyebrows and by then they usually have time to like set so yeah that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just like don't have any rhyme or reason to mind. The other thing that happens is like I'll like start to get dressed and then I won't because I like wander over to my phone to like mm-hmm. check the weather app and then I get distracted yeah. and yeah. then I'm like naked like on my phone because <laughs> I just forgot to like complete three of the tasks that I needed to yeah. do. So we're working on it. Um. Anyways, so this week we have been having in our in-person conversations a lot of conversation about I said a lot of conversation. And we have been dialoguing quite a bit about trauma and different events that have happened to us and mostly in the way of like healing and grief and processing. So as you're all familiar, well, hopefully by then you're all familiar um, with if not, go the, back to the Cosmo episode. We'll link it in our bio. But we were obviously very impacted by the borderline shooting and Woolsey fire and the death of our friend, um, related to the borderline shooting and then obviously Alicia's role as a survivor of that shooting. Um, And Pepperdine was recently impacted by a fatal collision that 
um, killed four senior um, students and we were processing, you know, the fifth year anniversary of Borderline and Woolsey Fire and also um, talking to some of our friends who were um, impacted by the fatal collision. And I don't know, I just think we have some really interesting insights into what it's like to heal and process and kind of figure out your place in the world. Um, and I don't think there's ever a right answer. And I think that's something that like every year as the anniversary comes up, everybody reacts a little differently, like even with our own circles. And so um, I guess maybe just to start, do you want to talk about how this year was for you in processing Borderline and Woolsey? Yeah, I think I I always feel worse leading up to it. Like mm-hmm. any time in October is like fair game for me to start feeling like shit. Um, I think last year it started like really early and I, yeah. I didn't even clock it at first because a lot of the time it's not even like you feel sad and you're like, oh, I am sad because my friend died. Like it's yeah. sometimes it just your body knows and, um, and your mind knows, but y- you don't really even know it yet. You're just like, I feel like shit right now and I'm snappy and blah, 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 but I don't really know why. But I think right. this year... I I was fine all throughout October. Like, it wasn't until, like, November, like, 2nd or 3rd mm. where I started to feel um, just, like, shitty. No yeah. lack of a better word. Um, but I think that I have gotten really good at knowing what I need and also, like, knowing that what I need might change day to day and then, like, being able to adapt and give myself what I do need so like obviously we had this planned out that we were going to be together and Mm -hmm. so that was really helpful and um like I always take the day off and I mean this year I took two days off because I was like might as well give myself a four-day weekend yeah um and like knowing that like oh like around this time I get really lazy about like food and whatever so I'm gonna stock the fridge with frozen meals which is not something I usually do um so, yeah, I think this year definitely went by better than all the previous years. Hmm. That's not to say that it was easy by any means, but right. I think I've just gotten used to, yeah, this is the routine we're going through, and we just have to be really in tune and honest with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, the last couple of years I've had to travel for work, mm-hmm. um, and so it's always an interesting – so my birthday is two days before – the anniversary of the borderline shooting and it's always interesting for me to like go from this like peak celebration of like me and narcissism to like um really crazy grief and it's also it's just hard getting older mm-hmm. when in the next few days is recognizing my friend's death mm-hmm. um it's just always yeah. kind of been a strange and even like when we were in college like figuring out like how I could involve everybody that I loved in my birthday, but also recognizing that they're going through immense hurt and like didn't always want to be like on that vibe with me um, has been something interesting to navigate, but especially so when it's like I'm in a corporate setting or I am miles from home or whatever. So it was definitely interesting for me to be in LA this year, like not there for the anniversary um, and also not there like with everybody. It was Mm -hmm. like a interesting mix like something that I'd never like done before and so I think I was a little thrown off and it honestly like I got really irritable after the fact like I felt like I didn't have the space Mm. to have my moment with it and I'm really appreciative of the time that we did have together to kind of talk through and process and have different um conversations with friends and like call people and things like that but 
um, I almost feel like I didn't really give myself space. So it's interesting that you were like, this year I figured it out and like kind of had Mm -hmm. everything laid out for myself because I think I was the inverse where it was like, I did not have any time. I did not have any space and it all kind of piled up on the back end, but I'm feeling pretty okay now. Um, It's just different. Yeah. I think it's also good that like you only stayed for a few days after you were done with work stuff. Cause I think if any longer, I think both of us would have been like, uh, this was like so much all at once. So it's good that you like got to go home and go back to normal stuff. Totally. Bit of a reset. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing that would be interesting to our listeners is what, what is helpful and hurtful for you during this time? Like in regards to other people wanting Mm. to support you, um, and be there for you. What have you found works versus is like, please don't ever do this. I think for me, what's most meaningful is just knowing that people know and remember. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. need, like, everyone in my life to, like, call me and send me things and whatever. I just want, like, either the day of or, like, the days leading up just saying, like, hey, thinking of you, let me know if you Mm -hmm. need anything. And most of the time I don't. So don't be afraid that I'll actually take you up on it. (laughs) But, um, no, I and the other thing is just, like, ask like if you don't know what to do just ask what would be helpful like Mm. is it like like say like is it okay if like do you want to talk about this because like we can but like I understand if you don't want to or like because like if someone does get mad at you for asking that's kind of like a that's that's they're working through stuff but like realistically like you should be able to totally ask what someone wants because it does vary from person to person so that's always like yeah yeah yeah, I would say don't go in with any assumptions Yeah. Um, in that same sort of vein. I think there are objectively some things that are, like, helpful, which is, like you mentioned, like, saying, I'm thinking of you or I'm praying for you or, you know, like, I hope you're doing well, like, general well wishes or, like, thoughts of comfort. Um, anything that makes somebody's life easier, mm-hmm. you know, like, my parents would always do, like, home-cooked meals for people who are, like, grieving or going through yeah, tough times, yeah. like, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, so you don't have to worry about cooking or – um you have done like crowdsourcing for different plushies to like help um, make yourself feel more comfortable. So I think there are some like little tangible ways that you can also show up for people. Or, like for me, like I'm a big coffee drinker. So like if somebody mm-hmm. bought me coffee or something like that, and we also know Elena was a big coffee yeah. drinker. So same sort of thing. But um, I think really recognizing that I might be holding space for something difficult is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And it is like, it seems like it's really small, but it really is a big ask to say to people like to mark this, like people are bad with birthdays. So to ask them to do a trauma anniversary too can be, it can feel really big. So when people go out of their way to recognize, or even if like you don't remember it yourself, but like you recognize that I am, seeing that or like (laughs) yeah like I had a friend like I met him February of this year so like there's no reason for him to have any sort of like we've never talked about it like beyond the like abstract Mm -hmm. and so um for him to text and be Mm -hmm. like hey I'm thinking about you like that just means a lot like he doesn't have to remember it but to say this is important and like I hope that you are processing this well like it it really speaks yeah really loudly and I think people who have gone through things are more likely Mm -hmm. to recognize that and give that sort of support as well so I think it's something that surprises the average Mm -hmm. um human because you don't think about it until you've gone through it yourself do you think the love languages that are more meaningful you like that do you think that shows through with how you want people to show up this week or 
I mean, my major love language is gifts, and I don't think that's something that I seek during this time mm-hmm. because for me, my healing has always been like I don't want to have to hold other people up while mm-hmm. I'm going through tough things. Like when I am in a really hard emotional spot, the last thing I want to do is be responsible for other people's hurt. Mm-hmm. So the best thing you can do is support my independence or like mm-hmm. let me be just healing on my own terms and time. And like, mm-hmm. that's something we kind of talked about this week where I have felt like the glue of our friend group or at least our suite over the years where like, I have to be the one to organize or support everybody or like start the the chain. And over the years, I've also realized that like, I don't have to have that role and I can prioritize myself and everybody else will recognize that and figure out their own ways. But um, yeah, so kind of like, in that sense, acts of service is more important to me, which mm-hmm. is not something that like typically shows up in my love languages. Mm-hmm. What about That's you? Interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, my strongest are words of affirmation and quality time. And I think words of affirmation is definitely what's really important. I mean, obviously, yeah. as I said, like reaching out is the best thing. And I really hold mm-hmm. on to the things that people say to me this week. Like there, mm-hmm. there are people who are, not, who are not even in my life, but like, and like years ago, during this week said something that was really meaningful that like I still will think about um so I think in that respects um it does show through um but then similarly to you like I do think also the love languages that I don't really give a shit about on a normal basis do like I I mean like I wouldn't my like prefer gifts necessarily but like they are more meaningful to me during this time and like I think that that's a Mm -hmm. way that a lot of people can show up um because like whether that's because of distance like they're they can just like ship them to me or it's like quick with like delivery stuff now um Mm -hmm. like I think that's something that I found I mean like a lot of people just give me money which is like like and and it is helpful so Mm -hmm. um the other thing that I guess we talked about that like we didn't really have the chance to debrief is like watching other people go through traumatic events like after it's happened and obviously like this year isn't the first time that we've watched people Mm -hmm. we love like Mm -hmm. be traumatized but I think this has been a really interesting year of reflection in watching the Pepperdine community go through that Mm -hmm. because it almost feels like a microcosm of what we went through um, There's a lot so of how have you? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this like kind of briefly on the "We're Not Really Strangers" episode, but like, what what has it been like for you to process it, like with this context? Yeah, I think any sort of loss is harder to reckon with when you have experienced one yourself um yeah I think I mean there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of like physical like literal parallels with like girls and off campus and and the whole the weight of what the mm-hmm. whatever the community was feeling and like yeah seeing the parents come in and like the yeah. service and whatever like there's just a lot of like v- very literal things that happened that call back to our experience um yeah but in some ways like I think after you've also gone through grief you do also you're able to recognize the differences Mm. like there are some ways where I can sit there and be like I can't I cannot imagine I can't fathom what this person is feeling 
Um, and I think, I mean, that also, like, you can tell when, like, reading, like, condolence cards, like, who has experienced mm-hmm. some sort of profound loss based on, like, the words that they use. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I can be there for other people in a more empathetic and understanding way through. Obviously, I don't, like, mm-hmm. nobody's like, I'm glad that this happened right but i do think that it's it gives you a greater capacity for understanding and holding space for other people yeah totally um the other thing as you mentioned parallels like the role of the news media through this has also been really interesting to watch like from a third party angle and again obviously i'm very opinionated about that like as a journalist and member of the press myself but um I think watching other people grapple with the things that we're going through is really disheartening as well because I don't think news media is improving mm-hmm. like that dramatically. Yeah. But um, I sat on a panel um, during a spring student journalist conference and we mm-hmm. talked about like covering mass shootings and like how it's different or like how like considerations for student journalists to have one mm-hmm. just because it's so common but two because the expectations have changed over the year, like publishing the name of the shooter. Like Mm -hmm. that's something that is not as common anymore. So there's things like that. Anyways, so when we're in those conversations, like talking to journalists about, you know, their experiences covering shootings in the 90s and like how in the 2010s, like we have a lot more standards and we expect a lot more from the news media. But then, you know, to go four years later down the road and to see that it doesn't really matter in the end, like there's Mm -hmm. always going to be this like prey of media who want you know the soundbite and the really quick turnaround and the photo and the blood and the gore like it's just really disheartening to see that like the change isn't being made very quickly and it's continued to like compound on hurt rather than inform and create community as I think news should and so um, I think that's also something that like as I continue to hear more about just the experiences of my friends who are still on campus as students like it just it fucking sucks Mm -hmm. and I wish that that's not something that like we had to so deeply empathize with and I wish I could tell them like oh it gets better and like (laughs) you know people do start to care eventually like it only gets worse um so yeah it's it's just been really hard Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I I think it just it really sucks because a lot of the people who have to be interviewed after this like in trauma response I mean like we know there's like fight flight and Right. freeze and fawn and a lot mm-hmm. of people are fawners and like and then feel like they have to right take an interview or have to send photos or whatever and I mean like this is I mean yeah even though like we've been experiencing such a high volume of mass shootings for a while there it's there's still a stigma in talking about like it's it's a heavy topic to mm-hmm. ha- like conversation to have and so there's not like a larger like, hey, just for future notice, you don't have to do this or that. Like you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't have to do any of these things. And also like, I just remembered, but like back then, like I also that like profound empathy also extended to those people who are just trying to do their job. And I was like, well, if I don't do it, they're not going to publish it, and they they're going to mm-hmm. get in trouble. <laughs> it's like that wasn't my yeah. burden to carry. Yeah. What do you think you've, like, let go of in the last five years? Uh, I think a lot of it is, like, other people's perceptions. I think a lot of the things that I've let go of in the last few years are things that I 
had let go of in the beginning, but in a much more abrasive way. And now I'm like letting go of it in a new light. Like mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, this person isn't here for me. Then fuck that. They can get out of my life. But now it's like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily this like I'm punishing them thing. It's more of like, okay, we don't connect in that way. They don't have to be as close to me as they are now, but I can still have understanding for them and I can be mm-hmm. happy for them the fact that they haven't experienced this um, and yeah. aren't able to show up in that way. But it's okay because there are people who can show up for me in that way and I'm really happy with those people. Um, I think I've let go of a lot of expectation. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's – I mean, with anything, if you have expectations that aren't met, then you're, like, really upset about that. But I think I had so many expectations for how people were going to act or – or like what they're gonna say and then I'm always let down but you can't expect people to read your mind and Mm. I mean that's like a general thing too like with the whole like if you wanted to he would (laughs) like you people aren't mind readers Mm -hmm. and so I've let go of a lot of expectation and that's made me a lot happier with the way things turn out because then I'm like oh it was really nice that this person did xyz and I think I've come to know like who my grief is centered around in the sense that like who is actually essential to my healing and that's a lot of like Mm. who we were with freshman year it's like I don't necessarily need like my family to be part of this I don't need my coworkers to be part I don't need like xyz like Mm -hmm. it's like cool that they acknowledge it but like at the end of the day like them acknowledging it is just me like wanting attention but also just like wanting to feel valued Mm -hmm. but what they do is not essential Yeah. That's interesting that you say that because I was talking to some friends today and one of them was like, oh, like I'm like, I didn't reach out to you about all that because I didn't know about it. And it's like, yeah, there's still Mm -hmm. some people in my life that I really love and care about that we like haven't had these really profound conversations. And for me, like, it's not something that I need you to know to feel like we're close. I would love for you Mm -hmm. to respect and acknowledge it. And like, if you cannot hold it, then I don't think we can be like in a close relationship but I do understand that like it's a vulnerable part of my story and like building into that is something that I kind of tread carefully with at this stage in life because not everybody is capable of holding it well and if you Mm -hmm. are let into that circle I expect you to like have a really good Mm -hmm. handle on it Um, and I want to dialogue with you like you mentioned like there is no expectation on how to deal with that but Um, I think it's hard finding that balance of like, can I trust you with this? And also, can you respect me enough to contribute to my life in important ways now that you are part of this? So it's just interesting. I think in the beginning, I thought like, oh, people will be nicer to me and like treat me better if they know this part of me. And then I realized some people are going to treat me worse because of it. Um, Or they just don't know how to. And I've let go of the need to just like shout it from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. Like, Obviously, it's an important part of me, and I'm glad to share this part. Well, usually. um, For the most part, glad to share this part of me, especially the Elena part of it. Oh, yeah. But it's okay to not include everyone. Like, I I can hold my tongue. Like, even if, like, I'm being triggered, like, at work or something, like, people are making certain jokes, like, I can say, like, hey, stop, I'm uncomfortable, but I don't have to say why. Like, I don't owe that to them. Mm. Um, And whether that's me trying to guilt trip them or me trying to to like 
share that with someone who I don't necessarily want to have that intimate of a connection with. And yeah, it's like not everyone's going to be able to hold this. Um, and that just means that we're not going to be as close as if you could, but that's yeah. fine. I don't need to have that intimate connection with everyone. And totally. I think, I don't know, it's like over the last year or so, there have been many instances where I have to like sit there and admit like, no, I do have a lot of close friends. And it's weird because people like that, that's something people want you to be weirdly humble about, mm. even though it's true. Like, I think that we're very lucky to be blessed with so many. I mean, even if we just consider like our friends from Pepperdine, like that is still a, like a much larger volume than the average person, especially the average Gen Z person. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's like I very much have a very strong support system in place already both in quantity and quality and Mm. it's okay to not let every single person I meet in yeah I think that is the interesting part of trauma too is like it does create this like really deep bond even if it like I would say one amongst each other like obviously we're all very close as a product of this and I think we still would be regardless especially us too but there are some Mm -hmm. people that like I know I can relate to you on a very deep level because you have also seen profound loss. And um, that's also just been something like seeing my friends go through the healing and grieving, Mm -hmm. I guess more directly of losing their friends in this car crash, like seeing that like deeper trust in me and like how our relationship looks different now and how much like we can share in that space is also really interesting. It's like, I'm also a survivor of sexual assault. And so, like, those are kind of conversations that you can have with people that, you know, you just can't, unless you've been through it or, like, you've seen somebody you love, like, really deeply experience it, you just can't relate. And so it's a horrifying thing to share, but it's also something that, like, until you've been there, you will not know. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, when I was sharing – my story with that I realized early on like I don't necessarily need to tell my guy friends because a lot of them and not not saying that men can be victims but like a lot of them just didn't know what to do with it and it was like a lot of like I mean not that I only told like three of them but for it was just like a I want you to know this because we're gonna hang out and this is gonna be like a thing yeah but like none of them responded the way that a lot of my non-male friends who like Mm -hmm. have their own experience with that yeah and it's just different it's not that you can't get to that level but it just in a like really twisted way Mm -hmm. like is a easier way to there's this communication theory i think i've talked about this before but like of penetration right where like you can know a lot about people like on the surface it's like this idea of like an onion like you can peel back all the layers but it's like until you get to the pit like you won't be as close and then the Mm -hmm. idea that like you could depenetrate like where you can become less close i know it's icky but that's what trauma does is like it gets you to the core really really quickly um and it's messed up but that's why people in abuse you know they like stay Mm -hmm. in these crazy relationships because they feel so deeply connected to each other and it is bad so find healing with the people that you love who are also traumatized don't stay in your dark sad places this is like kind of a different turn but are there any songs or movies or anything where you're like wow I feel like this was like made for me to find in in this period of life 
Um, Louis Tomlinson, I think it was either 2018 or 2019, published a song called Two of Us. Um, and it's about him living for his mom after she passed. And that's something. And then Waitress is also something. Yeah. It's a little different because hers is about pregnancy and, like, losing right. her sense of self after becoming a mother. Which, you know, we could go on and on about. But she has a song. Um, Sarah Bareilles wrote it. She used to be mine. And it's this idea of, like, I used to be this other person. And I used mm-hmm. to, like have all these hopes and dreams and now I don't now that I'm a mother um yeah and those are two pieces of media that like I never mind to the it. fact that that was in Elena's Instagram bio like. right yeah she also really enjoyed the she Elena was a musical theater basic bitch she loved the most like and she, Hamilton waitress dear Evan Hansen I'm sure if Be More Chill was around, like, that would have been up there. Heather's, like, there was no deep dive Sondheim's here. It was all everything that was trending in 2016, which, slay. So, yeah, those are some things that I go back to. Um, And then, obviously, there were the things that, like, we shared with Elena, where it's, like, Mean Girls was something that we all watched together. Or listening to different musicals and scream singing. So, what about you? Um... Well, the question that, I mean, the song that made me think of this question, um, that I was thinking about Evermore, the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, because I was like, haha, Green November, writing letters, I just yep. fire. But also just like, I do sit and think like, will this pain be forevermore? And yeah. Um, and then the other one, well, okay, no. And then I'll talk about two more. One, funeral by phoebe bridgers um a lot of time i'll listen to that when i'm like being all like woe is me um because like the part like sitting feeling sorry for myself and then i remembered someone's kid is dead like i feel that yeah. humbles me in like a a good way like a, it's yeah. not like it's it's brutal but it's not too hard like it's it's empathizing like it's it's stooping down to where I am whenever I feel that but um the other one is I know a place by Muna um and they Mm. had written that they wrote it beforehand but like when the Pulse nightclub shooting uh happened Mm -hmm. then it like really became like an anthem for the queer community and I mean like the thing for me where I'm like this is eerie this this they wrote this for me is um the line that's if you want to go out dancing I know a place we can go where everyone will lay down their weapon. So, yeah. Oh, I know you were talking about um, parents and children. Also, the song um, I Should Be There from Comfortable Way. It's about a mother mm. who's, like, trying to, like, get back yeah. to New York during her – during right. or, like, immediately after 9-11 to, like, find her son. Yeah. That always makes me sob. Um, but the one thing that I have, like – I wouldn't say not let go of, but like found a new resonance of grief in is how young we are. I think like looking back and recognizing that I was 18, um, not that like we're so much older now or anything like that, but I think every year that passes, I have a lot more like sorrow for the fact that our Mm -hmm. youth was so entangled with grief and hurt Mm -hmm. and even thinking about like how, you know, like bitter and resentful and angry and like grief stricken we all were spring 2019 like it wasn't even that it took our freshman year like fall semester like it carried on through like the entirety of the 2019 calendar year and you know beyond but like that period especially like I think 
we all needed a lot of therapy and very few of us were getting it to the degree that we needed or even like the right medications. Like I think about some of our friends who were getting improperly medicated and dealing with the consequences of that. Like it, I like looking back and being like, we were 18. Like I, yeah, that's just something that I can't get over anytime soon. Yeah. I had this thought today where like, I mean, well, this isn't the first time I realized it, but I was like, oh, I'll never be able to relate to 18 by One Direction. And then I sat and I was like, yeah, you know what was happening when I was 18? Like, that's crazy. And I think that's also, like, something that is healing about watching. I mean, they're not the same age, but, like, the current Pepperdine students go through this. Is like, it's, it kind of feels like we're able to reach out to our younger selves and, like, Mm -hmm. be the people that we needed. Yeah, I think that's been the hardest part for me, like, as a mentor, watching these people that I love go through the exact same situation. Not the exact same, but, like, a very, very, very similar situation to the one that I went through and not being able to, like, stop it. Like, you want to be – like, I understand, like, a parent's love where it's, like, you want to be able to jump in front of the moving truck or, like, you want to be able to, like, protect your kid from anything and, like, you literally can't. Like, you just have to love people through it and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, as they're struggling with their faith or – identifying what it means to like provide healing to a hearty community like you you literally can't do that for them and it just sucks because I would if I could mm-hmm. so any other thoughts on grief grieving um and this is so cliche but if there's a lesson that you've learned that you could go back and tell your 18 well I guess you were 19 uh your 19 year old so- self what would it be? I think the one thing that really hit all of us as soon as it happened was like live every day like it's your last like really like love unconditionally and wildly. Um, and I think that's true. But also like don't forget to love yourself. I think mm. that's the hardest part is not only like making sure that you're impacting others and caring for others, but like investing in your own happiness and health and not trying to take on so much that you can't process. Um, And I would also tell her to sit in the hurt because I think I'm somebody who wants to schedule my trauma Mm -hmm. or schedule my grief and be like, all right, from 9 to 11 p.m. I have time to cry and feel sad, but then at midnight I need to be getting it back together. So I would say like give yourself time and space to – feel what you need to feel and don't feel like it's your responsibility to change the world tomorrow so Mm -hmm. how about you uh I think I would tell myself that I can just rest for the sake of resting because I think a lot of whenever I was resting it was like out of spire because I had Mm. given up like not just because not in like a oh I'm giving up but it was like I'm actively choosing to give up like this is a act of defiance but it was not necessarily like I've grown up really adverse to anger and then also like feeling shame about the anger that I can acknowledge and that's mm-hmm. something that's really changed over the last two years I want to say and like looking back I can see where a lot of my like back then I was like oh I'm not very angry um but that was because I felt like anger you really feel it towards a certain person. I didn't necessarily feel Mm. anger towards the shooter, but I definitely did feel angry about a lot of things, but 
I didn't realize it because it was just so channeled in such specific ways. Mm -hmm. And like now I can recognize like, yeah, I like said this to a certain person because that was because I was angry or like I skipped this class on this specific day because I was angry. And I think like when I rested, I was like, this is like a act of defiance and resistance. (laughs) And I wish that I could have just rested to rest um Mm. and yeah like now knowing that it was okay to take a break and be honest with that because like I think I like flung around the trauma card Mm. a lot and that's like whether that's okay or not is it on separate conversation but I think a lot of that was who was out of anger and trying to guilt other people and trying to make them feel what I was feeling. Um, Mm. And I wish that I could have just been honest and shared that like with grace instead of with the anger that I couldn't even recognize. Yeah. Yeah. As you were thinking, or as you were speaking, it got me thinking about like, when we're supposed to speak up as well. And that's something like immediately after I felt like I had to be a voice for Mm -hmm. every mass shooting, you know, like every terrible thing that ever happened. And I realized that like that wasn't giving myself time or like space to process and like reflect on how those hurts happen. And I do think that like survivors and um, those who have been impacted by major events like this definitely have a place in the conversation to share a really important perspective but I think it should always be on your own terms. And like some people are really comfortable being advocates and other people um, like myself have realized that that can be really exhausting, especially at the mm-hmm. frequency that mass shootings are happening. Like yeah. it, it just like is really, it can be tough sometimes. So I would also mm-hmm. tell my younger self that it's okay to not say anything and to put yourself first yeah. in that sense too. Yeah. I th- I definitely like felt the burden of like, now I have to be like an influencer because especially yeah. because this was the second largest mass shooting that year. The first one being mm-hmm. Parkland, which mm-hmm. that really turned the tide because that was when student, like the victim, well, the survivors were like, we are not going to shut up about this. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, I mean, like I pre-registered to vote the day that we had our, like my school's March for our lives, yeah. like the actual March. So like, I mean, that's really eerie to think about like how much, that would later go to impact my life but yeah I felt like I I could not stop talking about this because I mean yeah it was another like survivor's guilt thing I was like it's it's going to keep happening and I need to do my thing and I think that wasn't necessarily the best thing for me or for the people around me like uh, yeah I also needed to do things on my own terms and Mm -hmm. I think now I've gotten to a comfortable place where like I know when I want to say things and I've got like it's easy for me to talk about this on social media but what Mm -hmm. isn't it easy like when Pepperdine established the like our chapter of March for Our Lives I went to one meeting and I realized this is so fucking exhausting Mm -hmm. and I felt guilty but then I was like no it's not necessarily my place like I need to take care of myself as a survivor yeah like I mean yeah I mean advocacy and activism is really exhausting work but as someone who is directly impacted by this, like I can sit back and yeah, like the most important thing is for me to make sure that I am okay. Yeah. And I think personal testimony is so powerful and there is 
so much that can be gained from people who do share, but it should always be on your own terms and like Mm -hmm. in your own space, not for the sake of, you know, adding to a Twitter conversation or feeling like, you know, you must speak for the dead or something like that. So I think it's a tough balance to find. Like there is no right answer to it. Um, And I think, yeah, knowing the power. We're probably not going to change anyone's mind over a Twitter thread is something that I wish <laughs> no, I knew No, I think that's the other thing is like earlier. finding spaces to invest your time and energy are also mm-hmm. so important. But maybe you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't answer that. But I can say yeah. that I'm very thankful for you and yeah. I'm glad that we get to have these conversations and um, share our voices. Yeah. I'm very thankful as well. And to any of our friends – are listening i'm very thankful for those of you who've reached out and the people that i've talked to this week yeah and shared space with so true all right shall we <laughs> a very abrupt transition should i add What's like a little sound culture like a <laughs> <laughs> so true um Okay, I don't think we should talk too much about Taylor Swift because I don't want to. <laughs> I think it's too much. I think I'll, we can set a timer and do like three minutes of Taylor Swift. Go. So last night in Argentina during Karma, she said, "Karma is the." I almost said trauma. <laughs> Karma <laughs> is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. Blah. Yeah, Blech. I am nauseated to hear about that. I thought the whole like. <laughs> PDA was like a lot. I didn't love her dad filming him. <laughs> like I think all of it has We're been such really... haters. I know. Listen, I'm not against like her being happy. I just forgot no. that Taylor Swift is cringy when she's in love. Yeah, like, exactly. I just forgot how bad it is. And like I just this is not how I want it to go down. Like please stop. For all of you eating it up, please keep enjoying it. No. I'm gonna be over here like silently fuming. I think you do follow but there's someone from Pepperdine who like posted a video and was like i'm glad we're all the same level level delusional about this i was like who's we <laughs> yeah like, but no we? i thought like her running into his arms was cute in the sense that i was like oh i want that but right. i was like they knew everyone was watching totally it felt very like choreographed like yeah who does that so i'm again not happy. i she's happy but it feels a little too rom-com for me yeah so Okay, moving on. Um, Timmy Genius SNL. Yeah, how was that? Um, Boy Genius did incredible. So proud of them. Um, I'm not a huge SNL person. I don't think that, like, I think they're hardly ever funny. And there are mm-hmm. definitely some um, segments that I thought were in poor taste. But mm-hmm. there were also some that were really funny. I really like the Choice of On one. Okay. Um, and I really like the Orphanage one. <laughs> I want to talk about Grammy nominations because they came mm-hmm, out this week. Mm-hmm. And Troye Sivan was on there, but Noah Khan is nominated for best or um, best Woo! new artist, and I'm really excited about that because one, I can't imagine him at the Grammys. Like, I don't know if he owns a suit, so I think that'll be really interesting. Um, it was also the most women slash non men mm-hmm. nominated for um, album of the year and artist of the year, mm-hmm. so that's super exciting. Um, feminism's taking over the Grammys. Um, it's I do a think- feminine on and on. Exactly. Um, I don't know if it makes sense for Olivia's. I think Guts was good. I didn't think it was going to be like Grammy, but no. I especially don't think Midnight's was Grammy worthy. Yeah, so that was interesting. Gracie Abrams was Artist of the Year or Best New Artist. 
Yeah, I didn't think she was new. Well, it's like, well, I mean, like, but, technically Sabrina Carpenter would still be considered, it's like when you, like, take the fuck off. Oh. Because, um, like, this isn't no de- no Khan's debut either. No, this is, it's like, like, his third when album you're or something. mainstream. Um, so, like, in that sense, I don't know. But the thing is, like, I don't even know if she's, like, reached that point yet. Like, yes, she opened for Eras, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, like, as a standalone artist, she's that Because, like, Noah Khan is, like, so, like becoming a household name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't Especially think with all that, of his like, collabs. I think, like, that's yes. really what's shooting him towards the top is, like, yeah. Post Malone, Hosier, Casey Musgraves. Like, yeah. it just keeps going. Yeah. Whereas, like, yes, Gracie released an album this year and she opened for Eras, but, like, to the general public, like, like to a non-Swifty, non-indie fan, like, that yeah. is, yeah. Is there anyone you think got snubbed? Um, I'm really glad SZA got the nominations that she did. Yeah. I wish Miley got more. I do, mm-hmm. I kind of think she might be, I don't think she's going to get album, but I hope she, like, is considered for some of her categories. Mm-hmm. Um... I wish Renee was also on Best New yeah. Artist, but I know she's not quite as mainstream as, like, we like to believe. I think she's more mainstream than Gracie, though, is why. Gracie's just got a lot of streams. I know that she's know? a Nepo baby, but, like... Yeah. Okay, I'm looking on Spotify, and she has 8.6 monthly million, million monthly followers, and Renee, oh. Renee's only at 3.3 monthly what? listeners. So... Man, where are all these... Can, no con the for stands reference. please stand up? No cons at 21.7 million monthly listeners. Jesus. I think we just like have it. I feel like people have been listening to music so much more in the last few years that like we can't comprehend. Like I feel like because of TikTok, more people are listening to music. So like where the mm. benchmark has moved, you know? I also feel like because of TikTok, less people are listening to full albums though. So I feel yeah. like it's almost harder to go viral in that sense because. Um, also, I just like Maggie Rogers is only seven point seven million monthly listeners, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't have any reference for like who should be listened to as much as they should. Anyways, is there an award for music video? No, I think that's why there's MTV. Okay, okay. Well, I do think Muna got snubbed for. I mean, there, there's only like one song that could have been nominated, but it's a damn good song. So yeah, they also are becoming mainstream. So I'm like. I feel like Muna's it's, got a while, though. They're just very gay, which is beautiful. But, like, I couldn't tell you a Muna song off the top of my head. Yeah, you could. Silk Chiffon. Uh, you're right. <laughs> that's all. That's it. That's all I got. It's like um, Chapel Ronan. H-O-T-T-O-T-O-T-O. Yeah, I'm hoping, like, next year we get, like, Renee and Muna and Chapel. Best gay artist. New Best category. gay artist should be a category. Yeah, but then they'd have to do like every sort of minority group and think about Best how messy that was. Straight be. act. And then people are gonna be mad when you stick certain people in there. So, so true. Um I think that's all the pop culture I have. I'm losing at fantasy again, but you know what? Such is life. Man, Swiftball's also been rough because I'm like I I you couldn't tell me what the fuck she's up to these days. Yeah. Rip. Um Amazing. what is Jay? Oh, lordy lord. I don't even know. Oh, we recently named my um, friend group's group chat as the female advisory board, the FAB. And so I have like the little woman judge in my recents mm. because that's our new logo. Um, I also have Saturn. Hmm. Yeah. I've been using um, that hug, that like silhouette hug. Oh. 
that's a really good trauma one. I also have the white heart pretty high up there for the same reasons. I feel like white, okay, red is romance or like you're hot. Pink is like you're cute, like we're kind of friends. Maybe this is just like a sweet thing. White is definitely like we're talking about a dead person, like somebody is like <laughs> deceased. Brown is like sweet, like it's a like little, queen girl aesthetic. It's like though. tender. Yeah, well, yes. It's like it has um, to be yellow like you're is, a baddie. Yellow is like heartfelt, but not grief. Mm-hmm. It's just like a golden sort of sunshiny, like yeah. I'm giving you happy heart. It's like yellow roses, you know. And then yes, exactly. And then purple is a girl who's spending too much time on her phone. I've and never blue used blue is a heart. boy who's spending too much time on his phone. Or and green is a psychopath. Yeah. And orange is a contrarian. Yes. Yeah. If you're using any other color except like red, orange. I have some friends who are like emo, so these little black ones sometimes. I, no, black is cool. I let it slide. Same thing with brown. Like you have to like fit the vibe though. Otherwise, red, pink, white. You no variation in there. Okay. Um, what is your stuffed animal moment? Mm. I realized that we never introduced Olivia to the Eeyores. Like, she was in your living room, but they never met. We also never posted that picture of you and Canity. Oh my god. Who are we? We're really bad at this. I know. Um... So I really like to hug the pillow Eeyore. Like, I, mm-hmm. he's a good size. Like, it feels like a person. Yeah. I realized I can put my whole entire hand around Olivia like a stress ball. It just, like, squeeze her around the middle. Don't choke her. I'm not consent. choking her. I'm more, like, suffocating her. Oh, my. Um. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> it's more, like, around her ribs than anything else. But it's just, like, a perfect little fist. So I was, like, squeezing her like a stress ball earlier. So... She's fine. She's a baby. They're swishy. I'm just a baby. Yeah. Um, closing thoughts, parting words. Uh, we love you all, sweet listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, white heart, hope white heart. never go through something like this. <laughs> I hope to protect you like a mother protecting her newborn, except me holding Olivia when I squish her around the ribs. Maybe I don't have a maternal instinct. Mm-mm, I don't think so. 